the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back to Hour 2 this Thursday, December 17th. I'm Seth, and it's a delight to welcome back to the show one of the smartest people in education policy, Jonathan Butcher. He's a senior policy analyst at the Heritage Foundation, and he uh, put out a report on uh, something we've talked a lot about here, critical race theory. I wanted to talk to him about. Jonathan, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You betcha. So I've been saying, I mean, I, you, you correct me, you know more about this uh, in, 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 than I do by a lot, um, but I've been saying, you know, the education system, K-12, through never mind higher education for a moment, but K-12 through has gone through, you know, a quiet revolution through curricula uh, over the last uh, 30, 40 years. And you look around the country, you wonder how we come to certain positions we find ourselves in, uh, certain beliefs, certain theories that have now entered the mainstream, not just confined to colleges. Well, you graduate four million high school kids a year uh, drenched in uh, progressivism. Um, Give it about 30 years and, and I give you the times, as Thomas More said in A Man for All Seasons, I think. And now we are just beginning to wake up. You aren't. I'm not. But a lot of us are beginning to wake up to this thing called critical race theory, which is adding even more weird progressivism into our schools. Do I have this about right? I think that's a great summary. I think that, you know, when they're uh, over the decades as colleges uh, began to uh, have uh, academics research this idea that uh, objective truth isn't uh, uh, the way that we should structure uh, how we uh, reason or how we deal with big issues. And uh, when they called it critical theory, which is different from traditional theory, right? right, Where you observe the world around you and you make informed choices, critical theory tries to dissect that and take it apart, Mm -hmm. which is called deconstructivism, right? Right. And uh, it has all sorts of applications. Oh, all sorts of variants. I saw it in law school. Critical legal theory was the the name of the game when I was in law school. Yeah, it has all kinds of variants, you bet. Well, and that's where critical race theory says that it comes from, is Mm -hmm. critical legal theory. So, you know, you had critical theory, which, you know, really traces back to Marxism, Mm -hmm. and then critical theory kind of um, uh, had critical legal theory came off. There were some strands of feminism that came off Mm -hmm. of it. And then critical race theory is sort of the next uh, 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 set of that. Mm -hmm. The the trouble is that today um, there there are those that are writing about this issue and trying to pitch it as something that is empathetic or that is trying to create sympathy and try to heal um, uh, differences between people from different ethnicities and backgrounds. And that is not the root of this idea, and that is not where this comes from. And when you follow these ideas to their logical conclusion, you arrive at something that wants to actually disrupt 
um, the, uh, the the constitutional republic in which we live. And I think it's going to be ending. I think it's going to end up creating more division and not more unity. If if the idea was to correct some kind of systemic inherent inequities, I think it's going to create more. Uh, more division, Jonathan. And I think it's fair to say, you know, maybe we can handle it in law school. Maybe these are interesting intellectual pursuits um, in a college, if the college is especially dedicated to free speech, free inquiry and debate. All of these things are becoming less and less true. But it's an entirely different thing when you put it into curricula from K to 12, elementary and secondary curricula, isn't it? And you put it in not as a debatable proposition, but as the new um well, to use your word, the new truth, right? This is now a different animal, isn't it? Well, you're absolutely right. And the ideas that are now being put into school curriculum in places like California. Yeah, let's talk Ohio, about it. Let's tell for those that aren't familiar. Yeah, put some, put some meat on the bones. What is it we're talking about? Yeah. Sure. So, you know, with critical race theory, they have um, there are certain concepts that are central to it. Uh, one of them is that we need to decolonize the world around us, which means that uh, everything, everything, of course, is seen through a racial lens, and everything has been set up by a white-dominated culture that is now called white supremacy, mm-hmm. and it is um, called white privilege. Mm-hmm. And there has been they those that are really adhering to this and are trying to put these types of curriculum ideas into schools, you know, believe that. Not, nothing has changed from the civil rights movement. Right. And they're saying that the civil right, rights movement went awry by believing in colorblindness and meritocracy. Right. It's right. a badge. It's, it's a badge of it's a, in fact to invoke those notions from the 64 Civil Rights Act or Martin Luther King. We are now told is a badge of racism itself or I, I, at least that's what I've read. Oh, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And so, you know, now it's uh, not difficult to find these evidence of this. So when you look at the ethnic studies curriculum that's been uh, in uh, under work or uh, underway um, in, in different stages of development in California over the past few years, you can find just these very terms from you know decolonization. They have a whole section on intersectionality, uh, which is another idea that comes from critical race theory. Ideas like white privilege, um, and it, it again you can trace all of these things back to what we were talking about at the beginning with critical race mm-hmm. theory, yeah. where the idea is that there are systems of power that divide people between victims and the victimizers or oppressors and the oppressed. And that is how they want, that is how critical race theory material tries to convey information. And it's got, you know, these interesting alliances. It's not just this thing, theory sitting out there. It's been embraced by the United Federation of Tre- of Teachers, Black Lives Matter at School as a whole new set of curricula being in, uh, being adopted in New York, right? <clears throat> Talking about everything from restorative justice to uh, empathy, diversity. I mean, th- I really want people to go to the Black Lives Matter at School website. I want them to go to the UFT websites and 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 look at what they are telling. Um, the school children and teachers what the curricula need be. It, it, it's really quite astounding, isn't it, Jonathan? I mean, it really is. Well, there's quite a megaphone these days. You know, the uh, NEA, the nation's largest teachers union, as well as the AFT, are also behind these ideas. In fact, there was a press release that just came out today from the AFT that had the words decolonization 
uh, in it, and it had uh, another term that had to do with white supremacy in it as well. I think I think they were talking about rewriting history your way or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Which is this? It's this concept that there's the they call it a meta narrative, right? Which is just the idea that there is objective truth somewhere, right? Yep. Everything from religion to um, the concept of individual liberty and freedom and the value of communities, right? Yep. And they say that uh, instead we should write our write a narrative based on personal experience, and that is more important than facts. And this is where critical race theory meets civics in schools, yep. and uh, and that's a scary thing because of the current you know state of civics instruction in the U.S. It's probably our second worst subject after history, American history, I think. I think it is. Um, You think about what we're doing with 18-year-olds in American history. The last NAEP test I saw had about 50% below basic, which is a failure. 50% of high school seniors leave high school, according to the the, uh, uh, national assessment, the nation's report card, ignorant in their own country at the age of 18. What's the age of 18? The age you vote. Join the military, first job, go to college, really enter adulthood. Um, we're making aliens of our own citizens with our very school system, don't you think, Jonathan? Well, certainly, and that's where it becomes another problem for higher education. Right. Because if we're sending these students off to higher ed, what's fascinating about the free speech on campus issue mm-hmm. these days, and mm-hmm. people have seen the headlines, right? Yeah. Disruptions at Berkeley, yeah. takeovers at Evergreen State, sure. Washington State, and things like that. I'd hesitate what would happen if you tried to give a lecture at Columbia. I, I don't think you could. Uh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Well, and if you read the transcripts of these YouTube videos that people see online all the time where students are shouting down a speaker right. uh, or otherwise doing a disruption, if you listen to what they're saying, the words come straight from the lexicon of critical race right. theory. I mean, they are right. saying things right. like safe spaces and microaggressions yes. and decolonization yes. Yes. and all of these ideas are straight are straight out of that. So they're you know they're simply acting out what they're they're getting it somewhere, right? I mean, we can assume um, it's, it, we know from from academic literature that it's certainly being uh, written about and studied in the in these colleges. But we also now can see in the K twelve curriculum that those ideas are there. I- I got I to gotta run to a break. I don't know if you have time for one more segment because I wanted to talk about how to handle it, <coughs> what we can do about it. If you do have time, if you don't, I'll forgive you in the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> I'd be happy to. Thank be you. Happy to. <laughs> I appreciate it. Jonathan Butcher, Senior Policy Analyst at the Heritage Foundation. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. At Leibson Show, it's a delight to have with us Jonathan Butcher, Senior uh, Policy Analyst at the Heritage Foundation. And we're talking about uh, the insidiousness and the kinetic energy of critical race theory, not in college, not in law school, but in our K-12 through schools. Jonathan, you'll be interested to know, uh, you know Arizona education pretty darn well. Uh, you know the Ball School District here. It's a hop. It's just a stone's throw away from where our studio is. They're they're now adopting uh, the 1619 project there uh, in their elementary system. I mean, it, this this is a fast a fast rising uh, uh, tide uh, sweeping over uh, elementary and secondary, and can it be stopped? Is the question. Um, not only can it be stopped, but Stopping it isn't enough. I mean, we have a lot of work to do on curricula in our K-12, given everything we said before, right? Well, absolutely. And the 1619 Project is a, is a great case in point. Yeah. I think what people need to recognize is that the material from that product of the New York Times Magazine last summer, so August of 2019, 
it has been roundly refuted by historians. Right. They have found errors in the content, which has now been is being used for curriculum in about 4,500 schools, according to their own uh, uh, promotional material. Right. And so uh, experts on the right and the left have said that there are errors in it, many of which the New York Times has refused to correct, mm-hmm. even acknowledging that it may these may exist. And right. that's, that's pretty troubling. I think so, too. Uh, so, so I think with, with 1619, just like with critical race theory, we need to acknowledge what the problems are, right? We need to be honest with ourselves that uh, when the material is, is not right to begin with. And then secondly, that the roots of these ideas of, of critical theory, the roots are um, deep in ideas that would actually remove rights mm-hmm. from certain groups of people and elevate the rights of others, which is sounds very much like racism, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's exactly the kind of thing that we are tr- that we so badly as a nation uh, uh, have tried to get away from and mm-hmm. should continue to do so. Mm-hmm. It's not, yes, and, and, and I agree with everything you said. There's another part of this. It goes back to what you said in the last segment about the instance um, that you, the instances you're collecting where it's not really so much truth or fact we want students to pursue anymore. It's um, how they feel and what they think as becoming fact. We've, we've kind of converted truth to my truth. And, 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 and quite frankly, I have a caller on the line who's asking, isn't critical race theory the same as what National Socialism was about? And that there are elements that you think of, well, the triumph of the will. You think about categorizing people uh, by their race, by their ethnicity, um, judging them that way, uh, thinking that race determines thinking. And it is kind of hard to separate um, that which we thought we put away at Nuremberg, quite quite, quite honestly. I, I, I think it is redolent of that which we thought we put away at Nuremberg. Well, that's right. And as you look at the critical race theorists and what they write about themselves, they say over and over again that they are skeptical of the liberal order, and they mean classical liberalism. I mean, they're talking about the Enlightenment ideas and the use of reason on which we have, you know, placed the uh, Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And, uh, you know, I think that while the problems from uh, America's past, I mean, look, no nation is perfect, America included, the fact is that we live here and now in the today, and we need to be creating opportunities for people from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And that's not what critical race theory is attempting to do. Critical race theory is attempting to uh, fight systems of power with more power. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is about separating people into groups of oppressed and oppressors and then awarding the victimized uh, with certain social benefits. Someone put it this cleverly cleverly the other day. I wish I remembered who it was. But they said, you know, you think about the mantra of progressivism on the left has for many years been speaking truth to power when it comes to critical race theory in the 1619 project in our education system it's really power uh speaking power to truth i thought that was well put <laughs> and, uh, oh absolutely yeah yes, it's absolutely. it's speaking power yeah. to truth it's not as if you can't have the american story told um fairly i i i think you're a bit younger than me but this would be all the more. I this I put this in the form of a question to you. I went through a fairly traditional education, as those things go, a little public, a little private, um, and 
you know, I grew, I, I was educated in all our sins and all and and all these things that we're supposed to look back on and say never again to, and that's unfortunate part of our history. And I, I grew. It's not as if this stuff wasn't taught. I'm guessing you, being a little long, younger, you had it too. It's just that now we've taken an education that was warts and all and converted it into just warts and that's all. That's my sense of it. Well, and you're absolutely right, and I think that those who are interested in making the curriculum in schools today actually talk about authentic diversity and authentic sympathy for what has happened should be looking to groups like 1776 yep. Tonight, yep. which is founded by Robert Woodson. Yeah, great. He is creating his own curricular material. Yep. Uh, Hillsdale College has similar materials. Yep. They have K-12 yep. uh, work as well. The Heritage Foundation has a we have a curriculum resource page that has these items and others listed on it. And so, if we're going to have you know if we're going to have a discussion with folks that are really interested in fixing the problem, they would be pointing to materials such as these that uh, do talk about America's history in just the way that you described, being realistic about what happened, the problems that. Uh, happened in the past and and what we can do now to fix it and where we are today. Mm-hmm. Like, get a real appraisal of where are we exactly when it comes to these issues. I think we're taking steps backward with critical race theory. Your colleague uh, testified to a session on the Hill, Joe LaConte, you know Joe, um, about the statue issue a couple months ago, and I had him on. He said something, you know, because you, you and I can, can, can curse this stuff as ideologically wrong, historically incorrect. He said something that not a lot of people say enough. Yes, all true. But the problem is when you give that to students, when you, when you leave them with, with, with a false narrative— they're, they're ever more subject to just more propaganda. They're much more easily subjected to propaganda and being propagandized. And then we enter, you know, you wonder what kind of world we enter where people will just say anything crazy, anything stupid. Um, you end up losing a country that way when a country is defined by propaganda of one side. That, that's really at heart what we're talking about, isn't it? Well, for sure, and that's why the New York Times' refusal to make corrections for the 1619 Project is both a practical issue, but very much a ideological yeah. one, mm-hmm. where they are not being honest about uh, presenting truth and facts uh, to the to their readers and to students. And you know, mistakes happen in journalism, right? I mean, you you we have, you update articles all the time. You have corrections, sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, but you we need to be honest with readers about that, right? What the New York Times is doing to our curriculum is what it is doing to objective reporting, or what it has done to objective reporting. It's really no different. Jonathan, a treat to catch up with you. Thank you for your good work. People can learn more by going to the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. Um, great, uh, Mer- and Merry Christmas to you and your family, Jonathan. Thanks for spending some time with us. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We will be right back. I take it every single day. It's balance of nature. I think the world of it, um, and it has done a world of good for me. My friends who take it, family who take it. One daily dose, tens of thousands of vital nutrients locked into vegeta- vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process. We're talking bananas, oranges, papayas, broccoli, carrots, cayenne. All organic, no chemicals or GMOs, all the fruits and veggies picked at the peak of ripeness. Just a great product with great, potent, healthy stuff in it to boost your immunity and keep you healthy all day long, all year long. And they have a great deal right now where they are offering free shipping 
and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. They make a great gift, too, the gift of health. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or check them out online at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Roy is in Phoenix. Hello, Roy. Hello, Seth. I've got a question for you. Okay, with an understanding of of social Darwinism and eugenics and this new critical race theory, isn't that all based what the Nazis used for their so-called socialism? In their form of socialism. Well, Roy, yeah, I I think so. This is what I what I meant when I was saying earlier. I thought we put this to bed in the trials at Nuremberg. Um, It's both Nazis and Marxists uh, and their view of history. You know, Nazis saw saw history through the competition of races, uh, whereas uh, communists saw it as the competition of classes. But both end up enslaving and exterminating those who are not um, of the right class or of the right race. And when you yeah. start judging people by um, characteristics that are um, meaningless, crude, um, and immutable, and not of their own doing um, or making, uh, then you start treating human beings as animals. That's what you end up doing, I think, ultimately. You don't treat them yeah, as free-thinking agents that have a soul and a brain, but as representatives yeah. of their class or their race. And I, yes, thought we put this to bed in 1945. Well, we didn't. And we didn't. We You're right. We have not. Right. We certainly have not, because you, it's being, now it's being taught in the classroom, and now, you know, and the, you know, they got they got us with this sixteen nineteen project, yes. which is a crock of poop. Yep. But you know, I'm just putting it politely. I understand. I appreciate that you did so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I enjoy. I well, this enjoy this is show, why you know. Thank, just, thank you, Roy. This, but this is why you know people say, well, you guys just you know all you want to do is talk about. You know, King in 1964, civil rights. No, that's not all we want to do. But we don't want to lose it because that was a hugely uniting moment. It was a hugely uniting principle that put us back in sync with our founding based on freedom and equality on the natural law, on 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 each of us being not right, not left, not wealthy, not poor, not black, not white, but human, human. And 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 that was the condition that mattered. And that's why I think still King was so important by reminding us of that, taking us back to the better angels of our founding and speaking about them as the better angels of our founding as a great and glorious freedom, series of freedom documents, because we could all unite around that. We could get past this ugly notion of judging people by their color or by their religion or by their ethnicity. It was a great uniting feature. And it seems like just on the cusp of getting it together and right over that uniting feature, that uniting concept that we're all equal and not to be judged by skin, but by our, our human condition, just as we were getting to grasp it and make it real, um, we decided, not you and me, but the elites, that, you know, wait a minute. 
we 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 need something to fight against here. We, we need something. We need something to push against. We need something like a permanent revolution. We can't. We can't all get along and 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 be happy as humans. We have to divide ourselves because when you divide people, um, that's when you can implement radical transformation. That's what the permanent revolution does. You don't you don't radically transform a country that's doing well. You radically and can only really radically transform or set up the conditions to radically transform a a country that's doing poorly. So that's why when Donald Trump said make America great again, they had such a fit. That's why you heard Andrew Cuomo say America was never that great. They believe that and they believe it's important for our politics. And it's terrible. And it's terrible for our politics. And that's why we're a house divided. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. If you are uh, thinking about selling your house, if you're thinking about buying a new house, you want to talk to James Wexler of JMG Real Estate. He's the only realtor in Scottsdale with over 500 five-star reviews. 500 five-star reviews. That's unheard of. James Wexler guarantees to sell your home at market value or pay the difference. He can also, if it's of more convenience for you, make an upfront guaranteed offer to you within 24 hours. The Phoenix Business Journal ranks James the number one selling individual agent in Arizona. Give him a call at 480-386-0711 or visit him online at jameswexler.com. That's James Wexler, W-E-X-L-E-R. Dot com. You'll like him as much as I do. Jeff is in Gilbert. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Seth. I'm really happy to talk to you. I listen to the show quite frequently. I agree with you on most everything. But I wanted to make a couple quick points if I could because I honestly am very pessimistic about the time we live in. Okay. And I think... I first think of all, thank Americans, you. Let me let me just say thank th- you, first of all. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Okay. You're wholeheartedly welcome. Um, I think America is at its worst crisis point in history of the country. Um, the founding, you know, the people that founded the country had values that we don't have anymore, and we're not being taught those values. Diversity is not our strength. I'm going to argue that I'm not racist at all. I love, I love people of every race. But diversity is not our strength. It's being used as a weapon, whether it started with Obama or earlier than that, race and diversity is a weapon that's going to, along with, economics is going to destroy the country because in countries where Marxism took hold, like in, you know, Russia, other places around the world, they're a homogenous society. America has got the economic problems along with the diversity problems. We're divided. It's fractured. It's never going to be healed. Um, Our media has been infiltrated. Our media is spewing lies about race, about everything we can't even have an honest election the last point i wanted to make and uh and i'll make it as quickly as possible another reason you're I doing you're america doing fine and you for, don't have to rush you're okay go ahead the reason i think america is headed for collapse is because we were simply a country like china a country like russia like i mentioned they're homogenous they don't have to deal with race problems uh china for example is i think graduating 20 engineers for every one engineer graduated in america most of them are h1b visas we don't we can't even produce engineers anymore the education system is going downhill um whether or not china is is actively infiltrating and causing a lot of this that's open to question 
is it by design what's happening now? We, our leaders, like like Biden, have been bought off and corrupted. Um, and they're in power. He's president-elect. It's just unbelievable what's happening. I, I give the country 10 years. Well, you've said a lot. And, you've said a lot, and and yeah. and and I want to I want to talk about it with you a little bit. I, I might disagree with you on the homogeneity of China and Russia. What they did in their heyday in the Soviet Union with non-homogenous groups, of course, is repressed, suppressed, and gulagged them. In China, what they do is put them in slave labor. If you're in uh, if you're in the Xinjiang province, which is my complaint with the NBA and the NFL today. That aside, for just half a moment. Um, ten years, interesting. Okay, let's 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 talk about that um, that outcome being something you and I really loathe. To put it no higher, yeah. right? This is something that to us is intolerable. Worst crisis point in our history. Um, yeah. One of them. One of them is where I would say I would say um, uh, we have been a house divided before. Of course, we have the house divided speech from 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 uh, you know 150 years before, a little more than 150 years ago. But um, I, you know, I've talked to people because I I was alive, I guess, but just a little too young <laughs> to remember um, 1968. People talk about that year where people where a lot of Americans were really wondering. If we were going to come apart, and I say, is it worse now than 1968 or better? You know, you had the war, you had the assassinations of King and Kennedy, uh, you had the riots, you had the weathermen, you had the Black Panthers, you had a lot going on in '68, and people were worried yeah. then. You know what they said? They, they 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 probably agree with you more than than not, Jeff. They said things like, "Yeah, but we were also a different country because of our ethics back then." The elite ethics back then are not the elite ethics today. You think about, well, think about the Democratic uh, nominee uh, and uh, 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 for president, uh, Joe Biden. You think you think about you think about the putative uh, presidency of Joe Biden. Um, this is not a man who, even when he was in the Senate in the eighties and nineties or seventies, eighties and nineties was on the right side of the Cold War. He got almost every foreign policy um, question wrong. But, you know, in 1968, you had a Democrat president in Lyndon Johnson, who we have a lot of negative things to say about, but he understood what communism was, and he was against yeah. it, obviously. Um, that's That's just but one example. But you also had, I think, a different set of morality, too, um, that— doesn't exist today so it's been taken away yeah yeah no right away. right 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 um and that's been done slowly um slowly through the education system through the culture you named the institutions you said it journalism education i would add uh that what we see from professional athletics and uh, our corporate boardrooms and our corporate c-suites is resultant of all that entertainment as well you might add to that. Um, I have a picture from a 1970 fundraiser for Ronald Reagan in Hollywood, and it's Ronald Reagan and John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart, and they're all there, you know, Frank Sinatra, they're all there to do a fundraiser for the Republican governor of California. That was Hollywood in 1970, our lifetimes, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know your age. I'm guessing you're around my age. I don't know. Um, yes, around your age. Okay. So, you know, that changed in our lifetime, too. But to say that we're going to go away and you give us 10 years, I don't want to accept that. 
And I want to talk about either. right. Of course you don't. And so I think what we need to do is talk about how to um, arrest it, how to stop it, how to prevent it. And I, I I'm not I, so I pessimistic little, as you. But go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'd be a little more drastic in my approach. I think the Insurrection Act. A lot of I know. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy person, but basically, I think that is where the level is. Insurrection Act. Uh, Joe Biden needs to be arrested. Obama. Look at the false uh, prosecution of Trump during his entire presidency. The, the intelligence apparatus is corrupted. It's from top to bottom, the FBI, the CIA. Uh, so, Brennan, so, so, so we've seen corruption at such high levels, Jeff. Yes. One of the things we have to do, and this is the lesson I think we take from Churchill more than anyone else, is to see things as they truly are and knowing what can be done and what cannot be done. You're not going to see... An arrest. Well, let me let me do this on the other side of the break. Okay, um, I'm yeah. hitting a musical break here. A, a musical break. A commercial break <laughs> that we introduce with music, <laughs> and we will be right back. Yeah. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. We're talking to Jeff and Gilbert, uh, who says, you know, you look around, you wonder if this country has ten years left to it. Um, some people would look around, Jeff, and say this country hasn't been America in a long time. And uh, given the abandonment of principles, constitutionalism and the like. But I think it can be arrested. I think it can be fixed. I, 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 I remain an optimist about this. If we keep our guard up and right, I think it does really start um, it, with an immediate and long term set of plans. And I, I do think immediate the immediate solution is what I spoke about in my monologue. You have got to save the, the Senate. You have got to save the Senate. That will stop a lot. It will stop a lot, and not just legislation, but think about the judiciary. You know what the difference is between a good judge and a bad judge. You know what the difference is between a good conservative judge and a bad conservative judge, and we think we now know what the recipe is. We think we now have it. Um, so I, I think you've got to start there. Then I think you've got to obviously engage in a lot of election reform, be it ID laws, voter ID laws be it banning of uh, unsolicited mail-in voting. And then I think you have got to get people into the school boards. I think you have got to get people running for school board where they decide curriculum where this stuff originates. That's the wholesale. We have retail and wholesale solutions um, at, uh, at, at our fingertips, and we have got to deploy them, and we've got to do it seriously, and we've got to do it fairly immediately. And I think we can. We have been at, you know, very close inflection points before. Um, you know, you think about where we were in 1970. 79 was a pretty cruddy year. You know, 1980 well, was a I, really cruddy year. And then comes this rising sun. Um, wonder what, what the last four years would have been like without with, with Hillary Clinton as president. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Or the well, four Supreme Court justices she would have nominated. She would have had four because I'm guessing Breyer would have stepped down. Uh, as well as uh, Bader Ginsburg passing her or stepping down. She would have had four, um, as opposed to Trump's three. Uh, so we have, we have got to get serious about this, but we can do it. I, I, I'm convinced we can do it. You look in the mood of this country, there are more people that think like you and I than we ever thought yeah. possible, and we have a better bench than we've ever had as a Republican Party. Three of them were mentioned on the show, I think in the first hour, that I wasn't even thinking about. Um, we have a really strong bench. I have a list of names of, I don't know, 30 or 35 or 40 conser conservatives and Republican politicians and would-be politicians, leaders, who are 
uh, Trump-esque, um, if you will, or MAGA-esque, if you will, or Reagan-esque, if you will. Um, and I say that because it never was the default of our party to be that way. And, and we have the opportunity to make it our new set point. We really do. We shan't squander it. Your show the rest of the way, 602-508-0960.